was, uh, I had a session I was going to do this morning, but I just think to begin with, I want to just look at a few scriptures and pull out a little bit of the modeling, um, the, the revelatory, the um, advertising that Jesus did of his father and, and that the scriptures uh, give us of the father's character and his personality. Um, because it's difficult for us to process some of the other things if we aren't letting him renew our understanding of what he's really like. Because we hear things and see things through the filters of our experience in our life. And uh, all the time, Holy Spirit is on a mission to change the way we hear and see. And so... Um, we just allow him to, to, to breathe his ruach on us today. We allow him to hover over us, to, to pour out on us his goodness. And to do us good today, in Jesus' name. I kind of finished last night with them, um, because I was... I, you realize I was kind of cramming it a bit later, um, but I, um, as is my want to do, if you ask my wife, you'll find that is usually what happens. But um, we kind of talked about the three things which um, Tim mentioned again this morning, um, the three aspects of our relationship with the Father that Jesus brought to us. And so just to remind you and articulate them again, Jesus came, number one, to show us the Father. He came to give us revelation. He came to change our belief system. He came to change our thought patterns. He came to change our expectations by presenting us with a unique and different model Awesome. He's got my PowerPoint from last night. Thank you. He came to give us revelation of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything you see in Jesus is he's his dad. And you know what being fathered, the end result of being fathered is? You can say to someone, if you've seen me. The end result is that we are like him. And we can confidently walk into situations and people will say, I saw the Father. I heard the Father. And that's our goal. Are we there yet? No way. But he wants to make us like him. And being like Jesus isn't just... You know, we pray, make me like Jesus, kind of from the kind of piety aspect, the, the kind of perceived holiness, the, the, the kind of, I don't know, almost the religious at times. Make me like Jesus in his personality, in his character, and we want that. But if you're going to pray, make me like Jesus, this is what you're going to end up like, looking like him and being a representative of the Father. Because... Creation is groaning for the manifestation of those who look like the Father. 
and you're not too old and you're not too young. In fact, you are perfect. Today, you are positioned perfectly to become more like your heavenly dad. Secondly, he came to bring us to the Father, to encounter. So it's not just a renewal of our mind and our our, um, thinking, our believing, but we actually experience the person. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to the Father. He did that through the cross. But the third thing, and I kind of stopped there, and I, I want to just pull it out a little bit more because I want to read this back to you, is that he made it possible for us to be fathered. And that's in um, John 20. And so I'm just going to read this to you again because I, I kind of went through it really a bit too fast. John 20, 17. This is Jesus' early morning Fourth watch of the night, Mary Magdalene has come to him and she's the first one, she's the first evangelist, she's the first preacher after the resurrection, she's the one that carries the news of his resurrection, she's the one that's been entrusted with the greatest news ever. And He says to her, Mary, don't cling to me or don't touch me right now. And I explained yesterday because he had to nip up to heaven and back. But he says this, I have not yet ascended to my father. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. I am ascending to my father and your father. Listen. If you'd just been raised from the dead, the first thing you say would be really important, wouldn't it? Like, give me some coffee. <laughs> I mean, some of you might be there. Who would have be the first, the first thing you said? Uh, yeah, well, I have a brother-in-law here who would say, I'm alive, give me some coffee. <laughs> But when Jesus made this announcement, it is, just just think of it this way. Jesus is on the cross, but he's looking forward to the joy that is set before him. Okay? So he's enduring the cross with its excruciating agony. But he is focused ahead on the moment he rises from the dead. He's focused ahead on what is going to happen. And when he bursts out of the tomb, it's, I've done it. My father is now your father too. I have done what no one could do. I have released you to be fathered by my dad. And so this is the amazing news that has been released to us through the cross. Jesus shared his dad. That's a pretty unselfish thing to do. I mean, 
Sometimes, my, you know, we've, I've got ministry kids. Sharon and I have got ministry kids. And at times they've had to share their parents with lots and lots of other people, sometimes to their detriment or perceived detriment. And it's a hard thing to share something that is as personal and meaningful as your parents. Is that true? <laughs> it's true. Because sometimes you just want them for yourself. When are they going to go home so we can have a chat? That's family life. Yeah? And I, I'm not making I haven't heard anything about this church. I'm just talking about my, my experience. <laughs> I'm not making any reflection on your pastors. But I know it. I've been there. Jesus has this amazing thing. My dad is so intimate and personal. Why don't you come and let him be intimate and personal with you too? Let me share him with you. I'm not keeping him to myself. You can have as much access to him as I've got. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that? What a sacrifice. And so we see this heartbeat of heaven that is buzzing for us. That wants us to live from this foundation and really to grow to the place where, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, when the Father is revealed, evangelism happens easily because people want to be with the Father. He attracts them like bees to the honeypot. We have so many experiences of people that are in pre, pre-evangelized states yet, but they've just connected with us in crazy places because they just, I, I hope, Something of the Father has oozed out. And they wanted to be with us. Make it your goal. Form in me the person of the Father. Another scripture I just want to pull out quickly because I want us just to get a little bit of context on some of the things. You know, we talked about the model, and I want to just present the model first. And, um, you know, if we go back to creation, back to Genesis, it's important for us to understand the heartbeat of the Trinity, but this is the heartbeat of the Father because he's part of this. And, and you know that creation, the creation story in Genesis 1 um, is probably well known to you. It'll be disputed in modern educational systems and modern science, um, the halls of, some halls of science. But, you know, I've, I've held to this as the literal story. But we have this scenario where God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or where God, the Father, 
because the, the Son is the Word and the Spirit is hovering. Where God, the Father person, commands things into being. So he says, light come into being. Yeah? Earth, form. Dry land, come out of the sea. Trees, form. Fish, swim. And he's got this very commanding personality. This very commanding voice. But he gets to one place. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And verse chapter 2. Verse 7, it was already mentioned. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath, the ruach of life. And man became a living being, a living soul. You see, up to that point, God the Father had used his command. But when it came to people, he stopped commanding. He stopped shouting. He stopped calling it so that it was a robotic situation. And the Trinity has a little discussion and says, right, let's, let's do this now. Let's do this. We've got everything in place. How many know that when you've had a baby, you're having a baby, you know, the nursery, ideally. Ideally. Let's get this in place. Let's get the wall done. Let's get the cot done. Let's do this. Let's have the little mobile thing. Let's get all the stuff in place and the cabinet with the nappies and... and and when it's all in place, that wasn't the deal. The deal is the baby. Yeah? And all of creation here is commanded into being, but it wasn't the deal. The deal was the man and the woman. Yeah? And God stops commanding at this point. And I used to get my wife to come out and help me demonstrate this, but she's looking at me saying, don't you dare. So I won't. <laughs> So you'll have to imagine instead, because usually I would ask her to lie on the stage and pr pretend to be Adam being formed out of the dust. Okay. I did that in Africa once, didn't I? And it, bless her. I won't do that. But you see, God, the Father, gets down in the dirt. And with his hands, he scoops. The man of dust. And then he puts his face right up to the man's face and blows. 
And the man opens his eyes to this big face of love, to the kiss of the Father. Before Adam did anything, he was kissed. Before he could ever perform and succeed or fail, he was loved. He wasn't brought about through a command, but he was brought about through a tender touch of a God who was ready to get down where he was and scoop things up. And that is the Father. He, of course, there are commandments and they are moral things and spiritual things that he wants us to pursue. But he's not out to boss you into life. He's out to get down where you are. Even if it's mucky. I love that vomit thing. I mean, I I could see the picture. It didn't take a lot of imagination. (laughs) But he gets down in our dirt. And he brings the pieces together. And he says, have some life. Have some of what I'm made of. Have some peace. Have some joy. Have some love. Have some more patience. How do I know that's all in there? Because the fruit of the Spirit's in the breath. So when he breathes, he's imparting. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faithfulness, goodness, meekness, temperance. He's, he's breathing those things. And we have to know. Why am I saying this? Because this is the model. You have to know that your heavenly dad will always get down in your dirt and breathe what he is back into you. Always. Always. I want to just go now to, um, what time do we finish this one? Quarter two, okay. I've got a timer up here today, because... I want to go to Luke 15, you know this story. And I just want to pull out the, the little story about the two sons and the dad. And this, this is the third of a trio, a third of a, a three-part teaching that Jesus gives. And he gives it because he's got two groups of people in the room or in the field or wherever they are. One are the people that are considered the failures. And one are the people that consider themselves the successes. And he's looking for a way to communicate with both of them because he has a passion that they know his father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. I only do what I see the father doing. The words I speak to you, they are from the father. And so he's there with this kind of conflict, two parties, 
first one he talks about is a sheep. And he talks about the shepherd, which is him, but he's been sent by his dad. So if you've seen the shepherd, you've seen the father. And, and the first thing is this, that when you're stuck and when you're lost, he's going to come and find you. Hmm? Do you know people in your life who are lost, stuck? Do you have areas in your life where you feel a bit lost? Do you have areas in your life where you feel stuck like a sheep stuck on a thorn? Well, I can't move. Do you have times like that? Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. My dad's going to come running because he has a heart to get you off that thorn. He has a heart to find you in your lostness. And if you know people who are lost or stuck and you are praying for them, you have the guarantee of the Father's heart that he is moving in response to your request. Second story is about a lady who has a coin and, and this coin gets stuck somewhere. It's probably covered in mud. It's dirty. She gets a broom. She's looking. And, and this, there's, you know, what can we take out of this? We can take this out that, you know, the value of the coin actually doesn't change whether it's clean or dirty. Hmm? You've got a dirty pound coin or you've got one that's just been minted. Which one will buy the most? They'll both buy the same because they both contain intrinsic value. And, and whether you feel you've messed up in your life, whether you feel you messed up this week or this morning, or whether you feel you're really shiny and clean. Your value to him is the same. It's the same. It doesn't change. I've lost this battery, maybe. Hello, hello. Oh, we're on. Okay. Thank you. That's a good one. You don't have to change the battery. Wonderful. I could do with one of these. <laughs> okay. Your value is the same. And then we get to the third story. And um, it's about a father that has two sons. Uh, the youngest son, um, verse 11, 12, said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And I... This is quite incredible because the youngest son is actually saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead so I could have your money. And the father doesn't say, you horrible brat. You're not getting anything now. I'm going to change the will. He says, okay. There you are. I say this to you. God gives gifts. He gives gifts to the righteous and the unrighteous. He gives you gifts that will work in your life. And you can choose to use them for his glory or you can choose to use them for something else, but he'd still give them. Because he is a giver. But he wants for you to use them 
wisely. But he doesn't put those stipulations on. There are people today who are highly successful in business that have nothing to do with God. And their success is based on an apostolic gift that has been on their life. And it's working for them in another realm. But his heart would be, will you bring that gift into my kingdom? But he gives the gifts. And he doesn't make the stipulations. Because he wants us to come willingly. He is after our hearts. He wants my yes. He doesn't force the yes out of me. So often I hear him say these days to me, he says it to Shannon and I, would you mind doing this for me? Would you mind going to that place? And with the best of our hearts, we are trying to say yes. Because he doesn't force us. If we say no, he, he'll say okay. But he's worth saying yes to. He's worth saying yes, even if it hurts. Verse 13, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and went off into a far country. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he'd spent everything he had, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in need. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed the pigs. For a Jew, that was just about the lowest point of existence. And he would gladly have filled his stomach, eaten the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. He was reduced to pig food. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I am perishing with hunger. I will arise, go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, 
bring out the best robe. That's the father's own robe. Because the sons had already gone. And put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, on his hand, and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry, to have a party. Jesus said, if you've seen me, if you've heard my stories, you're beginning to get what my dad is really like. And here's this guy who wanted his father dead, who didn't want anything to do with him, who wasted what he had, who ended up with the pigs. And let me tell you, pigs smell. Pigs are dirty. Pig stuff sticks to you. Does. We were, in, we were in Uganda once, out in the bush, way, way, way out in the bush. And we'd, uh, I was teaching some of this stuff about forgiveness and things to a bunch of people. And they'd, when we got to this little village, they all came out of, the, uh, out of the, the place clapping their hands and the women doing their little bits. And, and uh, we go into this, I, they've set up for us, but I said, I really need the toilet, please. Because we just traveled three hours. So I, I stamped through the grass and there's pigs running around and chickens and all this. And go back in and I'm on a stage about the same size as this. And all the dignitaries of the village are all around the three edges. And there's a bit of straw, not carpet. And I'm standing there preaching. I'm thinking, what is that smell? What is this smell? It, it, it was foul. And I looked down at my shoes, and they were covered with what the pigs had left behind. It sticks. It stinks. This guy had been sitting in this. This image to these people would be very powerful. He was caked in muck. He was wounded. He, he probably scratched and scraped. His shoes had gone into holes long before the journey. And he gets back to his dad covered in this stink, scratched and wounded. What does his dad say? Stay there, son. Let's get the hose pipe out. Huh? Hose him down, everybody. No. His dad is expecting him back. That's the first thing. You got prodigals in your family? The father is expecting them back. The father is waiting with expectation. You imagine this father at the end of the gate, looking over the gate. Is it today? Is it today? Will he be back today? 
Imagine him getting up the next morning. Is it today? Can I see him yet? Then one day, there on that hazy horizon, this limping, stinking shadow of a man starts to hobble into view. And the father does the most undignified thing in Jewish culture. For an older man, he runs. He runs. And he throws his arms around. He, it's, it's neck to neck. It's cheek to cheek. It's tears to tears. This is how the father is expecting your prodigals. This is what the father does to every prodigal area of my heart. Have I got prodigal areas in my heart? Of course I have. I'm on a journey. Is everything in me as it ought to be yet? No. I can be a prodigal on days, even if it's just for five minutes in my head. Yeah, do I have to do this today? Why can't I? Yeah? Do you ever do the prodigal in your head? (laughs) The father runs. And he doesn't say hose him down. He doesn't say don't come too near because, you know, there might be some uh, bacteria in that and I might catch it. He throws himself round this man who is covered with wounds and dirt. And then he says, go and get my best clothes. Go and get the robe. See, the robe is important. Because the robe, which we know in the scripture, is called a robe of righteousness. The robe is the outer garment that wraps everything up. This is not made of skimpy amounts of cloth. This isn't something that kind of gapes on the buttons when you put a bit on your belly. Yeah? Do you ever have that? (laughs) This is wrapped around you like a blanket so that every part of you is covered. And Father says, get the robe. Because, yeah, he's got some dirt. Yeah, he's wounded. Let's wrap it up with my righteousness. Let's wrap it up in my love. Let's wrap it up. So it's covered. So he can walk into the house. And nobody else needs to know. Sure he's going to have a shower. Sure he's going to get the first aid out and sort out his scars and stuff. But at this moment, that's not the issue. At this moment, love needs to be released. Because the father is always pregnant with love. The father, to use Eneko's 
word vomits love. He says, go and get some shoes for him. These are the father's shoes. Why? Because the son had already spent his, money, spent his portion. So the dad has to get him his own shoes. Does he mind? No. Shoes back on the feet mean he's not a servant. Okay? If he didn't have shoes, he would be a servant. But because he has shoes, it's a sign of sonship. Father says, I want him to learn to walk like I do. Hmm? Do you know in the spirit he's given you his footwear? In the spirit, because you are his son or daughter, he has given you shoes, his own shoes. The ability to learn to walk like he does. Sometimes we say, this Christian life's too hard. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm make that. I don't think I can live up to that. But listen, he's given you his shoes. So you can walk like he does. And then he gets a ring. He says, go and get the ring. Put it on his finger. What's the ring for? The ring is so that he can conduct business on behalf of the estate. I mean, would you do that? Wouldn't you say, now, there's a ring here, son. You're going to have to prove yourself for the next five years. <laughs> hmm? But the father is so keen to get his son back where he should be. He says, here's the ring. This is like giving him a blank checkbook if we used to use checks at one point. Yeah? I don't know what the equivalent to a bank blank check is these days. It's, this is my uh, password uh, to get to log on and you can, you know, make any transactions on my bank account you want. Yeah? Here's my credit card and here's my PIN. And here's my phone when they want to do the second check these days. Yeah? It's all more complicated, isn't it? But this is what it is. He says, have the ring. You, you can go into the marketplace and you can buy goods for this house. And they will trust you as if they trust me. The Father wants you and I to live in his authority. He wants you and I to be people who carry weight in the Spirit. He wants us to be people who see outcomes happen because we carry a ring. Do we deserve it? No. Were we messed up? Yes. Are we still messed up? Probably in some areas. But he gives us his ring. 
And then he says, go and get the calf. Now, I apologize to vegetarians here today, but you know, this is in the Bible, so we've just got to talk about it. This cow, young cow, has been fed a special diet. This young cow has lived with one purpose in sight. <laughs> Do you know what that was? To end up on the table. This cow was born to die. This cow had one goal in life, one agenda, that one day it would die so other people could feast. And Jesus says, in order for the prodigal to party, there has to be a fatted calf. And he doesn't say it, but I'll tell you what he, said, what he means. He says, he means, and I am the fatted calf. I'm the fatted calf. I was born to die so you could have a party. So you could celebrate. So you could sing and shout and dance and declare all the goodness so you could feast and enter into the abundance of the kingdom of heaven. In order for that to happen, there had to be an animal on the table. Jesus, the fatted calf, died so that every prodigal can party with the father. Every one of your prodigals, he is expecting to party with them. You see, the fatted calf has already been killed. Verse 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. So last is found and they began to be merry. And the older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. Now here's a tragic part of the story. But before we criticize and condemn the older son, we need to understand that most likely you have some of him in you too. I carry bits of both those sons inside me. <laughs> and I can flip between the two in a matter of minutes. I can be wanting to escape myself one minute and judging someone else who wants to escape the next. Hmm? Because we carry these things. This is human fallen nature. <clears throat> the devil doesn't care if he flips us to the, right, to the left or the right. 
He can flip you over one side to being a prodigal. He can flip you over the other side to being like the oldest son. He doesn't really care as long as you're not like the father. He doesn't care if our homes are indulgent or hyper-religious. He doesn't care if our lifestyles are in one camp or the other. He only cares that we do not look like the Father. Because the Father always carries a rope with him to wrap people up in. The Father always carries shoes. The Father carries a ring. And the Father has always got a fatted calf. The devil doesn't care which one you become like. Or if you flip between the two. He just wants to keep you off the road that the father runs down. So uh, the oldest son was in the field and he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what those things meant. Now here's the first tragedy. First tragedy was that he heard the party, but he couldn't go to the father himself. He had to send someone else. He didn't have that level of relationship where he could go himself. And uh, the servant said to him, your brother's come. Because he's received him safe and sound, your father's killed the fatted calf, and he was angry. He would not go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. He answered and said to his father, Look, these many years I've been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and you never gave me a young goat that I might have a party with my friends. And he said to me, Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. Do you just think of that for a minute? Angry Christian. Religious Christian who doesn't think life is fair. Father says to you, says to me, I won't point at you. Wes, I've always carrying you. I'm always carrying you. In my heart, you are always with me. Obnoxious Pharisee, you're always with me. I'm still carrying you in my heart of love. Unpleasant politician, I'm still carrying you in my heart. This guy sadly thought he had a belief system that said, if only I can work it hard enough, my dad will love me. But what he didn't understand was he was loved as much as it was possible to be loved before he dug his first hole in the ground. 
The Father loves you. And you do not have to earn anything. We dig the field because he loves us, not to make him love us. And if today you are trying to perform in some way for the Father's love, just dial it down a minute. If you're angry with God because you've been doing all the right stuff and he's not answering your prayers yet and he hasn't given you the kid, the young goat, can I let you into a secret? He's never going to give you the young goat. He doesn't do young goats. He does fatted calves. Nobody earned the fatted calf. The fatted calf was designed to be given away. But many of us, we do when we, it's not just when we've been in church, but it is when we've been in church. Because, you know, I, I grew up church life and I've been through some of these ups and downs and I've been through the times where I've tried really hard. I still want to try hard, but not in that way. And sometimes you can get angry, God, I, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm praying, I'm, I'm getting up early, I'm reading my Bible, I, you know, I, but, but it, our inner world is one of performance. And that doesn't bring the answers. Because the Father will only give you the gift of his Son. The sad thing here was that this, we don't get the end of the story. We don't know in Jesus' mind whether that man came in and repented and received his portion of the calf or whether he stomped his feet and sulked even more. Jesus didn't tell us that because at that point, he was waiting for the Pharisees to make up their minds. And every bit of Pharisee in me, and if you got it in you, he wants it rid of. But it goes when you eat the calf. Because you're saying, I take this gift, and that's enough. Yeah. And so, in these little scriptures, before we stop for coffee, in these little scriptures, I hope we've been able this morning to pull out a bit of the model. Can we just stand for a minute? Show us the Father, and it is enough oh Jesus show us the father and it's enough so I want to thank you father that you have revealed yourself to us through your son and through your word by the spirit Jesus 
We want to thank you for being willing to share your dad with us. To invite us to your table. Jesus, I want to thank you. You don't have some secret corner where we're not allowed to come. But you paid the price so that every one of us could say, Jesus, Father, and my Father. We share the same dad on the same level. I want to thank you today that when you made us and formed us, it wasn't out of an empty, impersonal command. But you, you moved. You stooped. You bent down. You gathered the dirt. You breathed. You kissed. You smiled. You helped the man up and said, look at everything I've made for you. Welcome. Welcome to life. I want to thank you, Father, you haven't changed. In every area today where we are needing you to get down in our dirt, we invite you and we have confidence that you will. And you will scoop things together. And you will breathe your Ruach again. Onto our hearts. Onto our lives. We welcome the breath of heaven. We welcome the breath of sonship. Because at that point, Adam was known as a son of God. And we thank you, Father, that you don't control us into behaving well. You empower us to choose, but you are always expecting us and waiting for us to make the choice that brings us to you. We thank you today that you don't keep us away when we have made a mistake. You don't say, don't sit on my lap today. You say, come. Come. Let me wrap you in a robe. Let me give you the shoes so you can walk like me. Let me lift you to the place where you start to carry the weight of authority of the kingdom. And come and feast on the one who died to give you life. And this morning we receive these gifts. We take them in. We thank you for your kindness to us. Let this modeling change us. As we behold the glory of the Lord, and this is what this is,
we are changed from one degree of glory to another. And so, Father, I pray that this message this morning will produce great change in every person here. In Jesus' name, amen.